All right. <clears throat> so we are, maybe, maybe thankfully for some of you, maybe, uh, maybe uh, uh, it's a, it's, it's maybe for some of you it's hard. But we're at the end of the Apostles' Creed, so this morning is it, and we are looking at uh, the section that tells us that we believe um, in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. What we've been trying to do through the Apostles' Creed is to first let it be kind of a launching point into some of the seminal teaching and doctrines that the church has held down through the ages. And so we've been trying to use the creed to point us back to Scripture. And so this morning we've had two passages, one from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and the other one from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, I'll just give you a little um, just a little hint that 1 Corinthians 15 passage is really critical. That, uh, that entire chapter, the Apostle Paul devotes to what he calls first things. And the first things that uh, the, the, he is saying is one of the most important cardinal doctrines of our faith is the resurrection from the dead, which he connects to the resurrection of Christ from the dead, as, uh, as Eric just read for us. And so we're using this part of the creed to get back to, okay, where is that taught and how is it taught? And, and then we'll talk a little bit about what it means for us practically as we live and as we do um, life here. But just that reminder for us, the creed itself is not inspired. Um, and so we've been just, we're not preaching the creed per se, we're using the creed to help point us back to the word so that we stay connected. The creed that we use, uh, not every week, but, but a fair number of weeks, um, is that document which helps connect us to the church, uh, both historically and universally. Uh, and, and today, even now, uh, it helps connect us with churches that are all around the world. I really loved having my friend, uh, Fikret Bocek here with us a couple of weeks ago, and um, and to have Fikret say, yeah, we use the creed in uh, Izmir, Turkey, just about every week as well, right? And so here are these Turkish brothers and sisters confessing right alongside us the same creed, and they believe the same things, and they believe the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting in Izmir, Turkey, in Turkish, and we are here at Lake Oconee confessing that we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Perhaps when you come to a section like this, you think, well, this is just, uh, everybody believes in the resurrection of the dead. Everybody believes in, in, in the resurrection of the body, okay? It's, it's very specific. The, the creed isn't saying that, you know, somehow your soul is resurrected, the creed says, and I believe in the resurrection of the body. That, that is critical. We believe in a bodily resurrection. That means you will have a body in glory. We'll talk more about that. But that's a really important part of the creed. And, and maybe that's maybe what you think is like, well, that's kind of obvious. Um, uh, or everybody believes that. Or what's the big deal? Or why do we need a sermon on it? And, um, and 
I would just say it's, it's not quite as obvious as you think to everybody. Richard Dawkins, a uh, noted popular atheist, said that the essence of life is statistical improbability on a colossal scale. The essence of life is a statistical improbability on a colossal scale, meaning there's it's random chance that you and I are here. Philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre famously said, Man is a useless passion. It is meaningless that we live, and it is meaninglessness that we die. And then who can forget Shakespeare's Macbeth? Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. The world has told us that, that life is an accident, that you and I are uh, thrown together molecules um, by a sheer random chance, and, uh, and, it, and that because life is random and because Life is just this chance that has happened, uh, one in a bazillion, trillion bazillion, right? Um, but it happened and we're here, but it's all meaninglessness. It, it means nothing that we're here. It means nothing that we live. It means nothing that we die. That is the modern atheistic mantra that many people buy into who aren't wouldn't call themselves necessarily atheists. So the world tells us that we're an accident and that this is all accidental. And because this is accidental and because there's no design and there's no purpose, because there was not this beginning in which God created us, because none of that exists, at the end it is meaningless as well. And the end is absolutely the end. And the world tells us that when we die, that's it. They put us in the ground and nothing else is to be heard from us. That's what the world tells us. That's what philosophers tell us. But it isn't what the Bible tells us. That isn't what men and women have confessed together for thousands of years now. What the Bible tells us is that there is a resurrection of the body, and there is life everlasting. Let's jump in and let's look at it. So, I've already pointed out, but just a reminder that the creed is telling us, and we are confessing in it, that we believe, and sometimes the confusion here is that we're confessing that we believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead, or we believe in the resurrection of Jesus' body, all right? We are not That's not what we're talking about at this point. What we are talking about and what the creed is saying we believe is that we believe in a bodily resurrection of 
all humanity. That means that every person who has ever lived will be resurrected from the grave. Everybody. Everybody's soul will be reunited with their body at the resurrection of all things. That's what we're affirming in the creed. Um, And uh, here's what Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Verse 26, for as the Father has life in himself, so he granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him the authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Verse 28, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life and to those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So there is Jesus laying out for us that at the end, at that moment, and he says, verse 28, don't marvel at this. Do not marvel at this. And the reason that Jesus is saying that is because he's saying this this is, is as sure as I am standing here talking to you. Don't marvel. Don't, uh, uh, don't uh, disregard this. Don't think less of this than what it is. Because at the last day, for an hour is coming, when everyone in their tombs will hear his voice. Okay? This is echoes now of 1 Thessalonians 4. That everyone will hear his voice and they will all rise. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and then those who are alive will be caught up as well. The second part is that there is a resurrection of all things that is at the second coming of Jesus. Second Peter 3 tells us that at that point, there will also be a new heavens and a new earth. And so there will be a, a recreation going on on a grand scale at the appearing of Jesus the second time. And because the Bible tells us not only is the body in decay, but creation itself is in decay. And so when Jesus comes again, he will be in the process of recreating the new heavens and the new earth. In fact, he will bring them with him. And all who are dead in Christ, or not in Christ even, will rise from the grave. And those who are judged in Christ will be judged to everlasting life and to those who are not judged in Christ to everlasting damnation. That's what Jesus tells us. This is the hope of the believer laid out for us, clearly explicit. Paul connects it and tells us, listen, if you don't have this hope, if, if this hope is, is built on some shallow untruth, okay, then he says you should disregard it. Listen to the way Paul puts it. If you've got your Bibles and you're in 1 Corinthians 15, let's just follow through Paul's logic. He, he's being very logical. He's, he's connecting the dots, right? Verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12, he says, Now, if 
if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, okay, so he says, look, I've been teaching to you, Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead, okay? So there was this, there, there was, uh, there was some folks who were doubting the resurrection of the dead, and they were teaching that, and so Paul is challenging them. He says, look, if Christ has been raised from the dead, then how come some of you are teaching there is no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Okay, so we're talking about two different things. We're talking about the resurrection of Christ. We're talking about the resurrection of men and women, all right? People, uh, humanity. And he says, look, if Christ, um, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Jesus has been raised. Verse 14, and if Jesus has not been raised, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. So Paul says, look, <clears throat> if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, okay, then our teaching and preaching and what we've been giving to you is in vain. You know what that means? means it's useless. It means it's pointless. It means it has absolutely no bearing on our lives. And this is the point at which somebody would say, well, I don't know about that. I mean, you know, Christianity teaches we should love our neighbors and, and we should be good people and good citizens. And so if nothing else, Christianity is just good for humankind, okay? And that's what a lot of people say. Well, you know, I don't believe in all that hocus-pocus stuff about, you know, Jesus dying for our sins. And all. It's not necessarily about all of that. All of that is just kind of imaginary, okay? We, we don't have to have the miraculous resurrection from the dead of Jesus in order to be good people. Christianity makes us good citizens. It's just a better life, right? I mean, it's cleaner living, and, uh, and uh, I probably live longer, and I'm probably happier, and I do good to my neighbors, and, and, uh, and if we do those sorts of things, we're good in society, and it just helps hold the fabric of everything together. And some people, a lot of people, take that line. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says, if there hasn't been a miraculous resurrection from the dead, then this is all vanity. What we're doing is really quite pointless. Verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. And those who have also fallen asleep in Christ, they have perished, okay? They're gone because that's it if if Christ hasn't been raised. And if, verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And he goes on a couple of verses later and he says, right, if, if the resurrection of Jesus isn't true and there is no resurrection from the grave, then you and I should eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. He 
He says, look, party on, dude. Right? If the resurrection isn't true, and if you don't believe the resurrection, and, and, and then you may as well not, you may as well just walk out this morning. You could probably just go ahead because everything else is going to fall on its face because it's all built on the ground. Our faith, the sustainment of our faith is built on the resurrection of the dead. And Paul is saying, if that isn't there, if you suck that teaching out, see, that's what they were doing in the Corinthian church. They were saying, look, there's no resurrection from the, from the dead. You're not, we're not going to be raised in these bodies. Um, but you still should believe. And Paul says, it's ludicrous. It doesn't make any sense because it's the end game. Because there's more to come. Because there's eternal life. There's eternity. There's a, a new heavens and a new earth that we will inhabit as his children. And so Paul says, if you don't believe that, everything else crumbles. And he goes on to make the case for the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And because of Jesus' resurrection, which 500 saw and different numbers of people, and Paul coalesces and pulls together all of that just to remind them, look, don't just take it from me. There are lots of witnesses. Jesus showed himself to a lot of people. And they all bore witness to it, and they have all made a confession about it. And you have seen him, and you have heard about the testimony of those who have seen him. Build your house on that rock. Right there. How does it matter? Well, it, it matters there because it's the foundational stone upon which our faith is built it's it's not a uh it's it's not a coincidence i don't think that um that at the very end of the apostles creed we are confessing that we believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting it's not an afterthought it's not like oh uh what else should we put in there Oh, let's put in that thing and that thing about the resurrection uh, of the body. Let's let's throw that. Let's tack that on. It, it's not it's not some additional feature. It's not something you can disregard. It is absolutely integral to everything that Christianity is about. Why does it matter? I'll provide a little bit about how it matters. Talk about what it is. Talk about why it matters. Here's why it matters. It matters because it is foundational to everything that we do as followers of Christ. And here's what I mean by that. So we we say, we uh, if you've got your bulletin, can turn on the inside panel there's the there's the section that has the the red the red writing right and the second one down is our vision and it says our vision says this Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church exists right to make equip and deploy followers of Christ 
who love their families, their neighbors, and the world for the glory of God. Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church exists to make, equip, and deploy followers of Christ who love their families, their neighbors, and the world for the glory of God. That's discipleship. That is the process of making disciples. So, so the elders of the church this last year, two years ago, we, we spent time thinking through this. How can we most succinctly communicate who it is and what we are and who we are as a church? What is our heartbeat? What, what do we want to do? And here's what we want to do. We want to love well our neighbor and our creator. And we do that best by taking the things that we've learned and by passing them on to other people so that they will experience what we believe, and that is the resurrection of the dead at the last day, and they will be resurrected to life. And they will experience life everlasting in the kingdom of God. Because we believe that. Because we believe that this isn't all there is. We believe that we are not uh, as interested in storing up treasure on earth as we are storing treasure up in heaven, right? So it influences who we are and what we do. If there's more, then I don't have to get it all here and now. If there's more to come, then I don't have to have it all now, right? Listen, that's Paul's logic. If that isn't true, if the resurrection of the last day isn't true, and if life everlasting isn't going to happen, then get it all now. Then get every last drop of it now. But that isn't what we believe. What we believe is that there is more. And what we want is for our neighbor to know that more that we know, right? And to live in light of that hope. Because if you're not living in light of that hope, you're living in light of the fact that you believe that when you go into the grave, that's it. That's the end game. And it's all done at that point. But that isn't our hope. Our hope is that we will live a resurrected life in the Savior, in the new kingdom, on the new heavens and the new earth, which I happen to believe is this earth just as God intended it to be with all of its beauty and all of its splendor. And when you look at it now and you go, and and, uh, somebody was saying how beautiful it's been this fall. I mean, have the colors, I mean, the leaves changing, the seasons coming. It's been beautiful at the lake this year. Just imagine in a recreated world that's no longer fallen. The beauty that God will set before us. And, and we believe, and we believe that this isn't the end, but that is, that we live in resurrected bodies with the King of glory, with the Lamb at the center of it all, having redeemed us and purchased us. We believe that. And if you believe that, if you believe that, do you not want your neighbor your friend, your co-worker, your family member, do you not want them to know the hope of glory that you have? It, 
it, it certainly puts a new spin and a new twist and a, and, and, and a new ability to cope with suffering and disease and pain and death in ways that you can't if that hope of glory doesn't exist. And I don't know about you, but I want people to know the message. I want people to know that hope of the resurrection of the body. I want them to experience the hope that I have, the hope that the Apostle Paul gives to us, the hope that we share and confess pretty much on a weekly basis. I want them to know that hope because it is a hopeless experience. It's it's dreadfully painful to think that there are people who think this is all there is. And they don't have the hope of eternal life. And so it moves us as a people, as a congregation, right, to make that message known. And so, so we are, we've been active over the last two years. We, we have four life-on-life missional discipleship groups going on right now with about 16 people. And they're sitting amongst you this morning. And in the next year, those groups will expand to, to maybe six or seven or, or eight groups with four or five and 32 and 35 people, and all of them weekly praying praying for neighbors, praying for friends, praying for coworkers, actively engaged in missional living, thinking about the community and people who don't know Christ. And we do it because we have a hope in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Without that hope, let's just shut it down because we're just... We're just, what, I, whistling Dixie? See, you can't say that in the South. You say that if you're in a northern church, right? I, 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 I said one time, and it was one of my first sermons, I was an intern in Edwards Presbyterian Church in Edwards, Mississippi, and I said something about how things went south. And when I left, when one of the elders was leaving the church that morning, he said, you know, we don't say that down south, right? It's a derogatory statement. <clears throat> if things don't go south, right? South's good. Down here we say things go north. I hope you see the I hope you see the vital nature of the creed, of those statements. Like this is these are not thrown together. They're well thought out, concise statements of belief. And behind this one is the foundation, right? It's the resurrection of Christ from the grave, which gives us the hope of being able to confess that we believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. And I know you have all kinds of questions. It's the same questions that we had in the Heaven series, like which body do I get? And is it, you know, is it 3.0 or 3.1, right? And and the, and the, the honesty the honest answer is, I don't know. All I know is it's new and it's good, okay? And, and there's, you know, there's questions. Well, Jesus had a resurrected body, and, um, and they didn't recognize him on the road to Emmaus. Well, they didn't recognize him because the text says that he, was, he didn't allow them to, right? Their eyes were not open to recognize him. And then say, well, yeah, but, you know, Thomas saw the nail scars in his hands. And, and the church has typically said, you know, uh, Jesus' case is a little extra special, okay? And he bore in his body the marks of the work that he did for us. 
so that he could display those because they are reminders of the fact that Christ paid the penalty for our sin. But the body, the, but the Bible teaches that you and I get a new resurrected body and that it will be good and that you will enjoy life everlasting if you are in Christ. Do you believe? Let me pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us and as we come this morning to your word and we thank you for the, the clarity on this point of the resurrection of our bodies. I pray, Father, as we leave today, we'll leave with a, a greater sense of who we are because of the creed. Thank you for um, those that assembled it and put it together. Thank you, Father, that it helps us and it aids us in thinking clearly about your word and who we are, who you are, what you've done for us. 